0: Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the next episode of the Brio in the Box podcast.
1: I was thinking that our closet really is kind of a box because it's about Mm. eight feet wide Mm -hmm. by eight feet wide Mm -hmm. by about eight feet tall. So it really is a box.
0: I was just saying how I always sit cross-legged here because my feet don't touch the floor Mm. dangling.
1: I've never had that problem.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to talk about fitness wearables, like the tech. I feel like in... Various episodes we've sort of touched on it, and yeah. we talked about different performance enhancers, not the drug kind, but different things like that. Yeah, um, talked about gear. Yeah, we talked about kind of in order, what gear would you invest in to be better at CrossFit. But we thought we would just take a look at all the different types of tech you can wear. So like heart rate monitors, fitness trackers, step counters, Fitbit type things, mm-hmm. sleep trackers, HRV, and then like continuous glucose monitors. Yeah. So... What do we start with heart rate? Okay. How valuable is tracking heart rate for
1: CrossFit? Not, I'm not a big fan. Um, I remember early on Greg Glassman kind of shitting on the whole <laughs> heart rate monitor thing. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, when you, you look at like a runner who's running their race and they're like just constantly checking their heart rate and watching their, their monitor and everything. And then they finish their race and they're like totally fine. They mm-hmm. like, well, why didn't you push it harder? Or like you, you should be like spent at the end of the race where it's yeah. like you pushed it as hard as you can. That was the like event you were training for. I get when people need to like hold off early to finish strong or whatever. But I feel like heart rate is just a terrible um, way of tracking that.
0: Yeah. I think I believe Greg's quote was heart rate is a correlate to intensity, but it's not intensity in and of itself. Yeah. The independent variable most commonly associated with increasing the rate of return of favorable adaptation is intensity it's right. like one of greg's original writings about crossfit um lots of things correlate to intensity sweating yeah what kind of a big sweat puddle do you leave on the floor <laughs> you know like ripping your hands i'm so intense Or like <laughs> oh look at how high my heart rate is i'm so intense but it's like you can that's not the thing in of itself because mm-hmm. <clears throat> you can get those things from other problems yeah. right like maybe you just took too much pre-wad and your heart's really high or you know, maybe you just got really scared and your heart rate jacks up or if maybe you it's like, really hot and that's why you're sweating. It doesn't yeah. mean that you worked hard necessarily.
1: Yeah. You can be like sitting on the couch watching TV and hear a noise upstairs and you run <laughs> up the stairs and like all of a sudden your heart's pounding. It's like, well, that's not intense. It's just like <laughs> yeah. a reaction to that's yeah. like your stress response. You you're know? not
0: like, oh, I'm getting really fit right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so yeah, I would never want, like if you want to track your heart rate, in a workout, do it in a way that you can't see it during the workout. Yeah. For that reason, I don't mind the whoop straps because they have no screen on them. You can't see what's going on. Right. You only can look after. You can download the data to your phone and go like, neat. Yeah. And that's about as valuable as it is. You're like, hmm, there's round one, there's round two. You know, you can kind of see like, oh, there's when I was on the assault bike or yeah. whatever. It's just kind of interesting, but it shouldn't have any directive value Definitely do not wear one if you would change what you're doing in the workout because of it. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, my heart rate's too high. I better slow down. Like no way.
1: Like when you're training, the goal is to like challenge yourself, right? You want your heart rate (laughs) to get high. You want your lungs to be working hard. You want everything to be pushing Mm -hmm. intensity so that you like adapt to that and you get better. Mm -hmm. So if you're like constantly pulling yourself back and waiting for your heart rate to get down, it's like, well, you're not, you're not pushing yourself to get any better. Mm -hmm.
0: The asterisk, the one exception to that was a member that had had a heart attack. It yeah. needed to monitor his heart rate and not let it get above a certain height. So a for medically sure. necessary yeah. use of a heart rate monitor, for sure. We're yeah. setting that aside.
1: We're talking average, healthy, normal yeah. people.
0: And what we're concerned with is is work capacity. Yeah. And if we want people to get connected internally to knowing yourself very well, mm-hmm. you should know what your work capacity is for how many reps you can do before you need a break or before you blow up and you won't be able to finish the workout or what wattage can you sustain on the bike or those sorts of things that you should get to know yourself better and not be at the mercy of. I've called them before the tiny dictators on your wrist being like oh this thing says I better slow down I better slow down even though you might feel fine
1: even endurance athletes um you know if you're a you're just staring at your heart rate monitor the whole time. You're not necessarily like training to improve. Like there's, there's certainly some strategy and stuff on race day where you do have to kind of like maintain a certain pace or whatever, but even in the like um, CrossFit endurance, what is it? The the running certification they do aerobic capacity. Aerobic capacity thank you. He's all about um, maintaining a pace that you want to be able to get. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's say, when you're tired, you're doing a 5k row or whatever, and you float around a 2.15 pace on the rower, and you want to get that pace to two minutes flat or whatever, he'll have you just train as long as you can go or certain intervals or whatever at that two minute pace. But the second you slow down, he'll have you stop and rest because now you're, you're just continuing to train a slower pace, which you don't want. Mm-hmm. So it has nothing to do with heart rate or anything. It's like, what pace do you want to maintain? So instead of making it about what's going on, on the inside, it's like what are you physically doing? What's what are you capable of? Start like he. I remember him talking about it with uh, Camille, right? Where he would be like, "I want you to row at a whatever one fifty pace until you can't, and then you're gonna rest until you can do another one at that same pace, and then you're gonna rest, and you would just like keep building it up over time until eventually she could maintain that pace for the required time that Mm -hmm. they were shooting for.
0: Yeah. I think I was trying to do a one K or two K maybe at that time, something like that. Yeah. Which makes
1: so much more sense. right? Mm -hmm. And it's performance based. And it's like, you're, you're pushing your body to be able to handle a certain speed or a certain, certain pace.
0: Mm -hmm. And Chris Hinshaw, the aerobic capacity guy, I remember from that course too, he was big on like in your running, like knowing your paces, um, a certain number of steps per breath. So like maintaining yep. good breathing rate and knowing what your speed was and how you could keep up aerobically with what you're doing. Yeah. One of the drills they do that's great is everybody starts on the same spot. You all run, I think it's like a minute or some period of time, 30 seconds down the road, wherever you are, you stop and drop a little marker. And then he goes, okay, three, two, one, go. And your goal is to run back. And at the 32nd mark, end up exactly back where you started. So it's cool. Cause it's, Totally in, relative to the individual. Some yep. people will run 200 meters. Some people make it 70. doesn't matter how mm-hmm. fit you are, how far you go. The goal is how good are you at knowing your own paces? Yeah. And it's not based on your heart rate. It's based on you knowing yourself and your capacities better.
1: Yeah. And when they have like the world record attempts on the marathons and everything, the whole team of runners are like pacekeepers, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're making sure he doesn't run too fast to start there or you know, he's able to maintain a certain speed during certain parts of the course mm-hmm. so that they can, like, they've got it all mapped out and figured out how they're going to do this stupid two-hour marathon. Um, yeah, so the
0: documentary is called Breaking Two. Yeah. Is that it on Netflix? About Elliot Kipstoji. Yeah. Elliot Kipstoji.
1: It's less about your heart rate, more about, like... The pace. What, what can you do? What's your performance <laughs> yeah. look like? The output. Yeah. Because dude, there's dude. no, like, in, you know, in the world record books, there's no, like, ran a 159.9, <laughs> uh marathon in this heart rate range yeah, you know, at 85 percent of max has nothing to do with your heart rate it's like what's your actual score what's your measure
0: yeah the work output what yeah. are you doing
1: so especially when you're training like who cares about your heart rate just mm-hmm. go train like push it like get as strong and fast and capable as you can while you're training and,
0: and then, know yourself
1: yes and then figure out a way to like be able to pace yourself and i think that any veteran like CrossFitter especially can look at a workout and be like okay I know this is going to take about 12 minutes. And if I come out and it's like 10 rounds and my first round's 30 seconds and my last round's four minutes, like there's no (laughs) way I'm, you know, being consistent and you can like, you know, figure out a way to, to attack it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, One thing that you will see a lot of people talking about now is zone two training. Yeah. It's become in the sort of longevity health space. There's a lot of people talking about zone two training, zone two training. Zone 2 is technically the highest heart rate you can sustain without accumulating lactate in your blood above 2 millimolars. Mm-hmm. Lactate's a byproduct of when you're working at higher intensity, so it's sort of like it's all about conditioning your aerobic base, how much like ATP can you generate with oxygen, which is in the mitochondria, the little energy powerhouse of the cell. And so zone 2 training is all about conditioning the mitochondria, the health of the mitochondria, which is basically the most fundamentally important thing to life. If you want to live well, live a long time with good cellular health, which is everything you need to have healthy mitochondria. Mm -hmm. So from that perspective, great. Anything that promotes good mitochondrial health is probably a good idea. Zone two training may have some benefit from that perspective, longevity perspective, but it also isn't the only way to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. There's lots of things that are good for the health of the mitochondria and stimulate mitochondrial biogenesis, which is the creation of new mitochondria. Um, fasting. Yep. Um, sauna. Uh, ketogenic diets. Taking exogenous ketones. Um, you know, maintaining healthy nutrient status, mostly like B vitamins are super important. Not eating a lot of processed vegetable oils because they're very toxic to the mitochondria. Eating a lot of saturated fats, which are um, stimulate the fusion of broken mitochondria, sp- particularly long chain saturated fecal stearic acid that's mm-hmm. found in um animal fat and cocoa butter and stuff yeah um so there's lots of ways to go about it so yeah. on the one hand yeah i'm all about the mitochondria i think it's the most fundamentally important thing there is to human health um but also if you only went about your mitochondrial health from just doing lots of yeah. zone two cardio like going for lots of jogs it'd be a cost benefit right Maybe your mitochondria is healthier, but now your knees and your hips are kind of fucked up. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like your joint health sacrificed for your cellular health.
1: Yeah. So I think the problem with zone two cardio is it's like it's catabolic, right? You need to recover from it afterwards. (laughs) Any kind of like long distance running is going to like break down your body, and if you don't properly recover, you're going to have consequences. A lot of those other things, there's no recovery from it. You know, you don't need to. You don't recover from not eating seed oils. You're just better (laughs) for it, right? (laughs) (laughs) so I think if you're doing all those, you know, you're not doing any of the other things, you're only relying on zone two cardio for your mitochondrial health. Like that's, it's like trying to out train a bad diet. You know, you just can't Mm -hmm. do it. There's there's gotta be some other elements as well.
0: I think mostly like monitoring your heart rate. So, um, for most of us around our age, thirties and forties, the zone two would be around 130 to 140 beats per minute. That's very rough. It depends on, your capacity and everything, but roughly in that zone. Yeah, it's mostly about not letting your heart rate go higher than that.
1: Yeah, it's actually it's slower than you think. It's slower than you think. Yeah,
0: and so lots of like even just walking or rucking or that kind of stuff is like zone two cardio yep. training. It's not running, mm-hmm. um, and if anything, the it's almost purposefully staying out of what's called the chronic cardio, like anything right. above a heart rate of about one forty five, but then below that high intensity zone which for most of us fitter people is kind of in the 170, 180 yeah. and up, um, kind of like maximal heart rate. So there's some benefits to lots of general activity, zone one and two, lots of benefit to like high intensity training, but staying out of cardio no man's land, the yeah. chronic cardio thing, which actually becomes quite oxidative, quite damaging to the cells. Yeah. Um, and really has like, in terms of cost benefit, more cost, very little benefit. Yeah hard on the joints, repetitive actions, yeah, not very good for your cellular health, ages you at about the rate of a hard drug user in terms of its oxidative stress, like mm. all that kind of stuff. So yeah. if anything, zone two isn't about trying harder. It's about
1: making sure you don't try too hard. <laughs> it's almost like a conversational pace, right? Yeah. If you're like, you can be like light jogging and still be able to like, you know, breathe and talk and whatever. And like, mm-hmm. you're probably zone two in that. But yeah. if you're like <sighs> breathing in and out pretty heavy, like you're- You're in the kinda, no man's land. Yeah.
0: Yeah get out. (laughs) I've been like playing around with it a little bit only because I have to watch a lot of um, lectures and stuff. My, whole master's degree i'm doing is online Mm -hmm. i struggle to sit still and pay attention to a computer screen yeah so like the squirrel that i am i've been doing a lot of like sit on the assault bike and just move for 20 minutes and then i can pay attention to like a biochemistry lecture for longer yeah and i thought like well i'm at this i may as well like so i'll use my aura ring to see like what's my heart rate while i'm doing this and just kind of playing around with it so yeah it's like quite a a slow sustainable pace i i don't feel any Better or worse. We've yeah. been doing that a couple of days a week. I don't know that it's having any beneficial effect on my fitness. It my desk and feeling like a squirrel brain. Sure. So from that perspective, it's been good.
1: And I'm I'm doing the grit grind right now and part of our challenge is you have to do two separate activities. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do two wads. Like some days I'll do like a little bit of lifting and then a wad or something, but I've been doing more of that kind of twenty minute zone two stuff. And I do feel better with it, but I think that endurance in general is a bit of a weakness of mine, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that it it is good just because I'm kind of training something that I'm not super comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have noticed some some changes for sure.
0: Yeah, and just more brisk walking and just yeah. Generally, the point of the grit grind there is to just be more more general daily activity. Yeah, not doing two CrossFit workouts a day because that's for most of us normal yeah. humans. That's dumb. <laughs> it used to be
1: that like like I hated the assault bike and I would just avoid it like the plague. And for me to like spend more than like two minutes on the bike, <laughs> like my whole body was just like, no, nope, you're shutting down. We're, we're yeah. going to knock you out. <laughs> but now it's like, you know, I've done 10 or 15 minutes on the assault bike at like a, obviously not a workout pace, but like just my like stamina, my, my ability to just keep moving. Mm-hmm. It's greatly improved. Even just your mental tolerance for, for sure. it, right? It's just and, your
0: conditioning your brain to not be like, this is the for worst. Sure.
1: And that might be, you know, 90% of it right there. Yeah. But yeah, it's certainly, certainly better. If you can do 15 minutes on the bike, then one or two minutes is certainly no big deal.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So since we're talking about more general daily activity, like fitness trackers, Mm -hmm. step counters, um, yeah, I definitely encourage people. The, the base of your fitness needs to be your general daily activity. You can't, just like you said, you can't out-train a bad diet. Yep. You can't Ooh. out-train a sedentary lifestyle. Right. <laughs> you can't show up at the gym for one hour, three or four days a week, and then sit at a desk and sit on your couch and sit in your car the entire rest of the time. Yep. It's not going to not gonna do it. So before you even prioritize like getting to CrossFit, CrossFit's great, obviously. You need to prioritize moving around more sure. in your life. So I think from that accountability perspective, they're good. Yep. <coughs> try not to cough into the mic.
1: (laughs) I think that, uh, the mistake that people often make is they'll like look at it at the end of the day. And it's like, you know, they're like winding down, they're getting ready for bed and they'll look and be like, Oh, I'm only at like 7,000 steps. I'm going to go for like this big, long walk right before bed. And it's like, well, it should be more of a consistent throughout the day kind of thing. It might be better to like, be like, okay, tomorrow I need to make sure that I'm doing whatever. We've heard all kinds of stories of people that are like staying up till one in the morning on the treadmill, just like trying to get their
0: their steps
1: in. in. It's like, okay, like it's not about each individual day. It's like overall, what's your, what's your general theme? What's your, what's your trend? Mm -hmm. Do you get on average 5,000 steps a day or 15,000 steps a day? Like what, what's your sort of daily, you know, Mm -hmm. on average look like, and you can adjust over time
0: some of them you can set like a little it'll beep at you to move every hour right which is good like hey you've been sitting for an hour like get up go for a walk, get a glass of water yeah move around even just the littlest bit of getting up and stretching your legs out and then going back to work or whatever you're doing um so from that like reminder yeah. more general activity um the actual 10,000 steps a day is not based on anything yeah <laughs> it's kind of one of those weird like, drink eight glasses of water a day thing that people just repeat over and over, but it's not, it never was based on any particular study or anything right. specific. It's just like a nice number that people like to say. Sure. 10,000 seems like a pretty solid goal. If you're getting 10,000 steps a day, you're probably moving around a decent amount. Yeah. Um, But it's better if it's like, you know, if you have like a little activity chart of the day, it should be pretty like up and down, up and down. It shouldn't be like, you went for a big walk for an hour and then you sat on your butt all day. Yeah. Like that's so... The way that you're getting to some target, like say ten thousand, um, can make a difference whether that's actually useful or not.
1: Yeah. And don't be the person that is just like shaking their <laughs> hand in the air to get those gotta get my steps. It's like it's just a number. Like who cares about the number, you know? Yeah. It's I amazing think, how much people will obsess over numbers.
0: Yeah. I mean, we love to gamify things. Oh yeah. You know, humans. high score. We love, yeah, scores and things and you know, targets and little stars and What's the, is it Apple Watch has the ring? You got to close the ring for the day. Close oh, your okay. rings or something. People love that shit. And <laughs> these companies that make these things, they know that they're, you know, tapping into like sort of a, a reward system in our brain. Yeah. And of all the reward systems you could tap into, better this than like for playing sure. Blackjack at the casino or yep. smoking Coke or how whatever. How shots I can do at a night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if it helps you, just pay a bit more attention and be more active. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but it should be from a perspective of more general daily activity, not big bursts and long periods of yeah. being sedentary. Um, sleep trackers. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing now. So like yeah. whoop, aura. Um, I think some of the like Fitbits and Apple Watches are starting to do sleep. They're all starting to like merge to be the same thing. Yeah. They, you know, it used to be your pedometer was separate from your heart rate strap, mm-hmm. separate from your, you know, all these different things. Now they're all kind of becoming one. Um, I've had Whoop and I've had my Aura ring for a long time. So I've used both of those ones. My preference is Aura. Mm-hmm. I've had that one for a long time.
1: They're starting to make like beds now that mm. like smart beds that will yeah. sleep track and do all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, Eight Sleep is the Eight mattress sleep, yeah. that will give you...
1: If you want to buy a $12,000 mattress.
0: <laughs> Someday. <laughs> Santa, please. Santa. <laughs> I've been good this year. Um, Again, with just like accountability. Yeah. I feel like our society has a weird disrespect for sleep yeah like you're lazy if you get enough sleep or if you go to bed
1: you're not grinding really, hard enough yeah,
0: you know hit the grind and everybody's yeah. got to be grinding and jocko willink tells you you should sleep four hours a night <laughs> what what that's a way to be a useless human and die yeah. early well <laughs> I, he, I
1: remember huberman saying that there is a very small population who are very lucky that are able to like successfully you know be productive with very little sleep, Mm -hmm. but those people are few and far between. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us like to pretend that we're that person, but you're not, you know, you're, you're slowly like aging yourself and slowly breaking down over time. I guarantee
0: you that if you think you're the person with that gene (laughs) variant, you're not, you don't (laughs) have it. I guarantee you. Um, there was one study I read that I always really liked was people that just swore that they just couldn't like sleep enough hours they were like only oh, sleep four hours a night or like insomniac type things we're like i just can't sleep yeah they took this group of people out into the woods for three weeks to basically like no artificial light no screens they had like f- campfire light and daylight and that was it yeah they all 100 percent of them started sleeping between eight and nine hours a night yeah it's like it's not you you don't have some gene defect where you can't sleep you don't have some mystery condition called insomnia. You just yeah. live like a zoo human under totally unnatural conditions. Yeah. fluorescent lights, no daylight, you know, too much blue light, too many screens. And then, yeah, yeah you can't, you can't sleep. like Yeah. Cagey little animal in the zoo.
1: Yeah. I've, uh, I've had nights like I like to read before I go to bed. We don't have a TV in our bedroom or anything. I don't really watch a lot of TV anyways, but it's certainly not right before bed. Mm-hmm. But I like, I remember, I think we've talked about this before where your brain needs time to like, process things and decompress things and i've had multiple times where it's like i'm reading my book my one of my zombie apocalypse books (laughs) and uh i'm like falling asleep and i'm like okay it is time for bed and i like put the book down lay down go to sleep and like start dreaming about what i was just reading in the book (laughs) you know and it's like yeah my brain is literally just processing what i was you know paying attention to the input so sometimes people just need to like have that decompression time where they can just like think about the day and they can process all of their thoughts and they can just unwind before just like trying to like go to bed. You know, somebody's laying there like at midnight thinking about all the stuff that happens. Like, yeah, your brain needs to decompress and you didn't give it enough of a chance because you distracted it with screens or Reddit or movies or whatever all day long. You need to let your, your brain
0: think. So I like data. I think sleep trackers can be good accountability for that kind of thing where Mm -hmm. you can kind of get a baseline and you're like, Oh, And you're like, okay, I'm going to try no screens after 8 p.m. And then I'm going to see what that does. And then you're like, oh, all of a sudden I'm getting an hour and 45 minutes of slow wave yeah. deep sleep. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> the other way you can learn to connect some dots is by seeing things like alcohol, for oh, yeah. example.
1: The old nightcap.
0: <laughs> and everybody that gets like an aura or whoop or whatever, the first night that you have like two glasses of wine and then you see what that does to your sleep, everybody's like... Damn it. So like yeah. and you wake up being like, "Ah, eh, I'm okay. Like I feel fine. Like maybe a little slow in the morning, yeah, but you don't really realize when you have to see it on the chart, your heart rate, your lack of REM sleep, like you'll get like none. It completely suppresses REM sleep, which is responsible for memory and learning and emotional processing. Oh, my God, it's like, yeah, it's so shocking to see how little alcohol it takes to completely mess up your sleep.
1: Yeah. So again, in the middle of the grit grind right now, so no alcohol. And the other day, we had two birthday things we ended up going to. On the same night? On the same <gasps> night. We were so popular. I haven't
0: done anything social in like eight <laughs> months. We had two things on the same night.
1: And so because it was like, you know, two different th- things, we ended up, we were out until like, we didn't get to bed until about one in the morning, which is like oh, five in the morning for us. That's yeah. that's like super late. So that's way later than <laughs> I ever stay up. But I'm like, I'm used to just waking up sometime around 6.30 or 7.30 or so. And so the next morning, I woke up at 7.00. So, you know, way less sleep than I normally get, Mm -hmm. but because I was dead sober the whole night, like not a drop of alcohol, I felt totally fine. Like I was hundred percent good, but I know that every time in the past where I've like not only been doing that, but also have having some drinks and then, you know, whatever, uh, shitty food or whatever you're doing as well. I always feel like terrible the next day. I'm just a write off for the rest of the day. So it's incredible. The difference that can make
0: the other thing i've seen in the past is okay like anything like sugary or high carb especially if it's eaten closer to bedtime it looks the patterns look almost the same as alcohol yeah where for the first few hours of the night basically like while your body is having to process it and get the like toxic levels of whatever out resting heart rate will be really high because your system is going and going hrv will be really low um, and then you can kind of see as it gets cleared out and then those two things will start to invert and you're like, Oh, you can see exactly how much stress your body is under to this point, And then yeah. it kind of normalizes, but that I've been shocked at how similar the pattern of sugar is to alcohol. Yeah. Pretty similar. And then things like eating close to bedtime. Mm-hmm. If I, and I eat late a lot, I really, I know I shouldn't, but lots of times when I'm coaching, late i don't get home till nine i will often eat after and then go to bed pretty quickly i know that's not good for my sleep and i see it all the time yeah um and so it's just that like accountability a little reality check connecting the dots maybe for sure humans are good at learning from like if i touch the fire it hurts like immediate but we're really bad at connecting the dots between well if i did this a few hours ago and then Mm -hmm. I slept and then tomorrow, whatever, or a
1: little bit of self-experimentation with your sleep tracker.
0: Yeah. It helps you be a bit more honest with yourself, a bit more accountable, but like anything, if you start to externalize it too much or you start to get too hung up on the score or, you know, you're laying there and you're stressing out because you're like, I'm not asleep. I'm not going to get my eight hours of sleep. I'm not going to hit a green recovery score level or blah, blah, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, Okay. Calm down.
1: And I think it's even a little bit of like giving yourself realistic expectations, right? If you like, if you know that if you have a few drinks before you go to bed, your sleep is going to suffer. It's not that you just never do that ever again. You just have to like have those few drinks be like, okay, I, tomorrow I'm not, I'm not going to plan on doing that super important thing I was wanting to do. Cause mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just going to be way less effective the next day. It kind of yeah. lets you just prepare for the after effects.
0: Yeah. The analogy I heard somewhere was like, you can do things, you're floating in the ocean, and you can do things that put air in your water wings, or you can do things that put rocks in your backpack. Mm-hmm. And if you know, you're putting a rock in your backpack, you're going to have some drinks and it's fine. Don't do a big training session tomorrow and just put more rocks in your backpack. Maybe yeah. you need to chill out. Maybe you need to sleep a little more. Maybe you need to have a more restful day and put some air in your water wings and eat better, And mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, keep the balance and realizing like you can't do too many negatively stressful things. Yeah. Back to back to back. For sure. Kind of got to know. Um, so most of the, like I said, they're all kind of like merging together. The sleep trackers will also track HRV heart rate variability, mm-hmm. which is the space between your heartbeats. You actually want that number to be higher. Higher is better than lower. Yep. Even though we think like for resting heart rate, lower is better than higher, generally, a sign of good cardiovascular fitness. Um, <clears throat> but it, it demonstrates a good balance in your autonomic nervous system between parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems in your um rest and digest and fight or flight. Like you want a good balance. You don't want to be too dominant in either one. Mm-hmm. So those things will use they'll kind of combine some different metrics. They'll have their own algorithms and they'll give you some kind of score in the morning. Whoop gives you a um recovery score, aura gives you a readiness score, um and they try to tell you if you're you're recovered and ready to like take on big Activities that day. If you have air in your water wings, right. basically. Um, I have not found those things to be particularly useful. Yeah. And again, with like the tiny dictator, <laughs> I've seen athletes that are like, will only train if their whoop says they're in the green. Yeah. And you're like, or I I was gonna work out today. I can't because it says it's red. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, okay, but how do you feel? Yeah. And how do you feel? in a pattern of over a course of these few days and nothing, no little algorithm is going to trump you and how you feel. You shouldn't just follow the, strictly follow the data with no connection to your
1: own self and how you feel. For sure. Especially as a competitive CrossFit athlete, like your competition is just on these set dates. (laughs) There's no like, Well, if you're not feeling great this weekend, we'll just postpone the competition (laughs) till next weekend. It's like you have to wake up on that Saturday morning and you have to do the thing. And if you completely avoid training on any days you feel shitty, and you wake up feeling shitty, you're screwed. Right? There's just you have no experience other than your like perfect scenario of working out. So for a competitive athlete, even if you are in the red zone or the whatever. You still need to do something and maybe you make good choices in that you're not going to try to PR your clean and jerk that day. Instead, you're going to do an EMOM at 70% just to like still work while feeling shitty, but at least you're like, you're getting something productive in. Mm -hmm. But then even for a regular person, right? If you only get to work out, let's say Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, those are your only days. You're probably better off just going into the gym on that Monday, even if you're not fully recovered. And again, you can adjust the intensity, you can adjust the like workout to allow you to still like have some success and feel good, Mm -hmm. but it's not worth compromising one of your only four days or three days or whatever of working out just because your little doodad tells you, you didn't sleep great yesterday, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: And you have to ask yourself why, what's going on? Are you not feeding yourself well? Have you been eating too close to bedtime? Are you spending too much time on your screens? Are you too much processed food or, you know, like, are you getting sick? Like pay attention and use those as one input along with how do you feel and how's your energy level and how's your mood and how's your work output and, you know, a pattern over time. I think it's just one of many things, but it can't be the only thing. Yeah. My, uh, one of the classes I'm taking this semester is clinical assessment. So just like all the tests and labs and things you can order to assess nutritional status in people and the professor had a great way of putting it she's like you never treat the labs you treat the person mm-hmm. which yes <laughs> that's exactly as grounded as it should be if you get a lab report that says low b12 low serum b12 you don't go low b12 give b12 you look at the person how do you feel do you have low energy do you have low mood do you have poor pallor or color on your face you know it's just like that lab result is one piece of of the Picture, but the picture is the person, right? You know, and so you can't just like take these things out of the context of the bigger picture. Yeah, for sure. So I really like that. You never treat the lab, treat the person. Yep. You should never do what the do dead says. You should do what the person feels. Yeah. You
1: know. Use it as a tool. That's it.
0: Yeah. Just use it as a tool. Um, one of the other ones I like and we've used is continuous glucose monitors mm-hmm. (CGMs). Yep. Little implant you put. On the, back your on the back of your arm yeah. you've either worn one or you've seen tons of people in the gym wearing them
1: yeah it's it's like made for somebody with diabetes but they're super useful for everybody <coughs> um and honestly like with all of these things i think especially if you're just at the beginning of your fitness journey i think it's worth investing some time into any of these things just to like see right mm-hmm. it's same with like counting macros or measuring, and measuring food or whatever right it's like if you have no idea what you're eating, a good place to start is to start like actually like portioning out the way you would normally eat and weighing and measuring it to get a real realistic idea of like how much food you're actually consuming. You know, I remember the first time I weighed peanut butter and I was like, holy shit, a tablespoon of peanut butter is tiny. I thought for if I like just, ate my peanut butter and guessed, I'd be like, I don't know, like two tablespoons. And it was like five or six, you know, like (laughs) it's just so much more than you think. So I think using any of these tools, especially when you're, when you're new to fitness and you're, when you're new to the journey, I think it's super valuable. Mm -hmm. So the continuous glucose monitor I've used, um, we were doing a challenge at the gym and it was just interesting to see. I didn't change anything. I still ate the way I normally ate. I still worked out the way I normally do. It was just interesting to see the way your body reacts to those different things, right? Like Mm -hmm. my blood sugar would go crazy when I did a wad, and it was like quite alarming how high it would get. You're like, oh shit, that's insane. But then it would come right back down afterwards and it was fine. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just trying different foods and seeing like what affects it more than other things. I think it's just a valuable tool to kind of see how your body reacts. Mm -hmm. What's not a good thing is when you start looking at what other bodies are doing, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because everybody's a little bit different. The way Mm -hmm. I react to, you know, 50 grams of potatoes is going to be different than you. And so if your blood sugar is only going up by one and a half points and mine's going up by four, it's like, well, it doesn't matter what happens with you. It only matters, like, for me. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to, like, just pay attention to what's going on in your own body.
0: Yeah. And I should have anticipated this, but I didn't think of it ahead of time, that CrossFitters would get competitive (laughs) about their blood glucose when we did the glucose group back in March. So, yeah, at high intensity, you have glycogen stored sugar in your liver so when you're working at high intensity and you need to make energy quickly your liver spits out sugar Mm -hmm. turns the glycogen to glucose and sends it out into the bloodstream so you'll see these peaks when you're working really hard and then people would get like what did yours go to mine got to 9.7 mine got to 9.8 and they were like getting competitive and i was like ah you guys like yeah that's funny but like it's not about what's happening to anybody else it's about what's happening to you and then like The interesting things that I wanted people to see. So we did, we tested 50 grams of carbohydrate from different foods and a, it was different between different people. The reactions were different. Um, and then we kind of retested, but with some behavioral stuff, what happens if you eat that, but you go for a walk after Mm -hmm. what happens if you eat that in the morning versus the evening, what happens, you know, blah, blah. What happens if you eat protein first and then eat that thing? Yeah. What we did apple cider vinegar. What happens if you have apple cider vinegar first and then eat that thing? Um, so connecting the the ways you can manipulate, it's not a static, I do this, it's always going to have this effect. It's in a context of, you know, sleep and exercise and other things you've eaten and stress levels and all kinds of stuff. And then for people to connect the dots when they would see some fluctuations, connect that to how they felt emotionally. Yeah. They're like, oh, when my blood sugar does this, I want to yell at my kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah, Yes, that like... Your mood isn't separate from your physiology, you know, that those things are very interconnected. So when you're feeling irritable or anxious or mad or stressed out, there are physiological things that are, that are happening in your body, stress hormones and elevated heart rate and elevated glucose and all that kind of stuff. So in managing your glucose nutritionally and stress wise and lifestyle wise, you're also managing your mood. I've yelled this from the (laughs) rooftops as much as I possibly can. Mental health is not separate from physical health. It's mm-hmm. even bonkers that we have two different terms for those things. Yeah, Your brain is an organ in your body. I don't know why we think that it operates independently. It doesn't. Whatever physiological health is brain health. Like it's not separate. Yeah, It's weird that people think their emotional health is somehow outside of their body. Yeah. Like I think some ghost floating outside of <laughs> me over here. What?
1: Yeah. Just following you around. <laughs> yeah. I think the end goal for any like, healthy person should be just be like self-sufficient mm-hmm. right you should your it should be that you can get to the point where you've just reached the goals you want to reach and you're able to maintain those with like the least amount of like worrying or effort or whatever you just like your body is in you know this perfect state of bliss where everything's mm-hmm. just working the way it should be if you you know you're you're that weird that goes to the restaurant is like counting out your almonds and like whatever and it's just that's not a, a a way you should be able, you you shouldn't be doing that for the rest of your life. Spend some time with these things. Don't obsess over them. Just use them as a tool to kind of help guide you on like figuring out what works for you.
0: Yeah. You know. As accountability and learning, not as directives. Yeah. I think would be the summary there. Yeah. And same thing, it's not technically a wearable, but like weighing yourself. Yeah. I weigh myself every day. And I know some people that are like, you should never weigh yourself. That's too obsessive and it's weird. I'm like, but I'm not doing it to like judge my value as a person every morning. It's just another data input. Yeah. It's just another piece of information. If all of a sudden it's low, I'm probably like, Oh, I probably didn't drink very much water yesterday. Or if all of a sudden it spikes up three pounds, I'm like, you know, it's just, it's just another piece of data. None of these things are the thing in the, in and of themselves. Yeah. They're just a little bit of accountability. They're a little bit of reality check and they're just pieces of, of the whole picture. For sure. I think, and like you said, the newer you are to fitness and health and basically just like being more connected to to your body, the more you're going to need accountability and reality checks. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. There's tons of research out there that shows, um, a lot of people struggle with being honest with themselves. Self-deception is a huge problem in people trying to get a handle on their health. Yeah. Um, there's (laughs) a show I love on BBC in the UK. (laughs) You can find it on YouTube. I probably talked about it before. It's called Secret Eaters, and it's a show where they put cameras in people's homes. People are aware that they're being monitored for a week, Mm -hmm. and they just watch them and watch what they eat. They have cameras in the kitchen. The first few seasons, what the people don't know is they also have a private investigator following them around and looking at what drive-through do they go through and what are they eating at work. And they'll like recruit some of their coworkers to also like take notes. So they're but the people it's the people are aware that they're being monitored for the week, and there's one where it And it from a psychological perspective, it blows my mind. There's a, a woman being interviewed. She weighs twice the size of an adult female. So she weighs like 290 pounds. Average adult female should be like 145, something like yes, that. Yeah. She literally weighs the amount of two adult women. And she looks in the camera, dead serious. And she goes, I think my problem is I don't eat enough.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she legitimately believes that. It's not like she's... She knows, but she's lying to the camera. She yeah. legitimately, seriously is like, I think my problem is I don't eat enough. Yeah. And they follow her around and they track her and they see what she eats. And then at the end of the week, they lay it all out on a table <laughs> and a nutritionist comes and does the math on what yeah. it all was. And it's like 5,000 calories a day. She's eating twice as much. She's eating the amount of two adult women. Yeah. She weighs the amount of two adult women. Yeah. There's no mystery there, but the level of self-deception that's been created to allow that to happen yeah. is quite shocking. For sure. So, um any of these little tools especially in the beginning can just help break you out of those Mm -hmm. and it's i feel like it's disingenuous to say like you're lying because it's not really that it's like a
1: you don't even realize you're doing it. you don't even realize you're doing it people
0: need to be it's a reality check people need to be kind of like it's like when people
1: are in the middle of a workout and they're like their brain is foggy and they have no idea if they've done four reps or eight reps and You know, it's not that they're always cheating. It's just sometimes people are just fucking head in the clouds. (laughs) They don't even know that they're doing something wrong, you know?
0: You just need to get clued in. You need to get more in tune, more in touch with the reality of what's actually going on. So, from that perspective, I think there's lots to be learned from these things. You just can't let them dictate.
1: So do you remember, this is from like a decade or so ago, and I think they're still around, but do you remember the wearable body bugs? Yes, I oh, had man. one. We both bought one of those in yeah. Maui because they didn't sell them in Canada at the time. How oh, does that work? Yeah, I remember, oh, that buying, I remember going to this like health club on the other side of the island to oh, buy those right. things to because we couldn't find them anywhere else.
0: They use them on The Biggest Loser. Do they? That's I think how I heard of it. So it was a strap on an armband and it was a big thing. It was like the size of like... The a lemon, like a a lemon cut in half, that like went on the back of your arm, yeah, and it tracked movement, like skin temperature, and I don't know if it did anything much more sophisticated than that, but it was one of the first wearable attempts to give you a somewhat realistic idea of how many calories you were burning in
1: the day. And I remember reading the pamphlet that it came with, and it's saying it's like eighty to ninety percent accurate. Yeah, seriously, this thing is telling you how many calories you're burning with an 80 to 90% accuracy? Like, that is bullshit. Like, yeah. what are you going to do with 80% accuracy? Yeah, you know? so say
0: you burn 2,000 calories a day, you could be off by as much as 400 calories. Yeah. That's almost like gaining or losing a pound a week with that level of inaccuracy. Yeah,
1: It's it was a hilarious thing. But I remember it didn't have heart rate. No, I don't think so. I think was, the...
0: I think it was like an accelerometer yeah. and a temperature thing. It was pretty simple, but it was, it was big. It was massive,
1: like, pack of cigarettes on the back here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically.
0: But I remember running a half marathon one time. And it was like activity burned 1200 calories. And I was like, that's a McChicken and fries. That's one <laughs> lunch at McDonald's. And yeah. I had to run for two fricking hours yeah. <laughs> to burn that much. So from that perspective, I'm, I'm, you know, I hate the calories and calories out hypothesis. Yeah, and totally. I think it's a useless thing to worry about with nutrition, but um, it is interesting when there's some attempts to like yeah. quantify. Oh it's, Yeah rough estimates but there's definitely things to be learned
1: like i know that on the the bikes and the rowers and everything one of the measures is a calorie counter and it's not by no means an accurate calorie counter it's just another way to measure the work that you're doing yeah but it's hilarious you can like hop on a bike like we did a seven minute um echo bike the other day and it was fucking brutal hard to ride that thing for seven minutes at like a good tick and like the faster guys were somewhere over a hundred calories. And it's like, you have to work that hard for a hundred calories. Like a hundred calories is nothing. Like two Oreos. <laughs> if that, <laughs> like half an Oreo, <laughs> one of the double stuff, half icing fillings. That's about it. Yeah. It's hilarious.
0: Yeah. And I, cause we just use cows all the time. Row cows, bike cows, I like yeah. reps. Like I don't even yeah. think of them as like calories. I remember going to, um, an indoor rowing thing with the rowing club down by the river. Yeah. And, you know, just chatting with the girl and they do strokes per minute is the thing they care about, like pacing to stay in rhythm with multiple people in a boat. Right. And I remember being like, oh, like we often like, you know, we'll row for calories or whatever. And she's like, oh, like we just eat food. We don't care about <laughs> calories. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like us too, us too. That's not at all what yeah. I meant by that. We're not here to be like, how many calories did this workout burn? Or like, yeah. no, no, no. And I, like, it was funny at the time that I forgot that that's even what that means yeah. you know, it's like calories like food calories um I was like no 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 it's just an algorithm based on your wattage it's just like a point system yeah
1: I think more people are getting away from that because I'm like nobody ever asks anymore but I remember in the past people like newer people would come in and be like how many calories do you think we burned in one of these workouts I like, oh fuck I don't <laughs> know somewhere between 50 and a thousand I have yeah. no idea
0: hey I don't care <laughs> and B neither should you and C I don't
1: even know yeah <laughs> so. I've told this story before but I remember like working in the restaurants managing and there's these like waitresses that would order a like big ass fettuccine alfredo <laughs> and be like chomping away on this thing and like this pasta has like 1500 calories in it I think and like it's okay I went to the gym today it's like you did not burn 1,500 calories of the today. <laughs> it's like a day's worth of calories for you. Yeah. It's hilarious. you got to go
0: run a marathon to do
1: that. Two marathons.
0: Yeah. and Also, that's not how that works. Yeah. So yeah, heart rate monitor can be something of somewhat interest. Yeah. Maybe you want to goof around with a little zone two training, which the point of the heart rate monitor is to make sure you don't work too hard. Yeah. Stay out of the chronic cardio, yep. no man's land.
1: Or if you're using it as some sort of like pacing thing on race day for like whatever thing you've already like train mm. for and practice for and like whatever.
0: I think even then people use GPS and they use like minutes per Speed, mile or yeah. like, you know, pace per kilometer.
1: Yeah. I don't use the pace runners in the, <laughs> the pace rabbits that we yeah. locally pace have. Pace bunnies. Pace yeah. bunnies.
0: Yeah. Um, fitness trackers, just the accountability and um, keeping in mind just more general daily activity, trying, you know, not yeah. to have long stretches of time where you're not moving. Yeah. It's not about the target that you're hitting. It's more about just like staying generally active. Yeah. Sleep trackers, definitely some accountability there to respect and value and love your sleep Mm -hmm. and then play with some things that improve your sleep and then face the reality of things that are actually really terrible for your sleep. Yeah, Um, Continuous glucose monitors, definitely have some value to personalize your nutrition. If you are going to choose to incorporate carbohydrate into your diet, which is totally not necessary, but if you want to, you would want to choose the ones that have the the most low and stable impact on your blood glucose and then yeah. also some lifestyle factors that can go into making that happen yeah. better easier. They can be a little bit deceptive, where maybe you have good average blood glucose when you're eating a fair amount of carbohydrates, like a hundred or more grams of carbs a day. But what's not shown in a glucose monitor is what's happening in the background or the amount of insulin that it's taking to maintain good glycemic yeah, control. You so
1: insulin monitor. A yeah, along with your glucose monitor.
0: If you have poor blood sugar control, that's definitely bad. Right. But if you have good glycemia, that's not necessarily healthy. Mm-hmm. That doesn't guarantee good health. You might have, you'll have, so if you were on the road to becoming type 2 diabetic, you would have normal glycemia for probably 10 years before right. you would start to have dysglycemia, before you would start to see it. So if you are already seeing dysglycemia, you've been on that road for a long time. Right but so you know take that for what it's worth Mm -hmm. it's good it's one piece of the pie it's one like piece of the puzzle pie (laughs) shouldn't talk about pie when we're talking about glycemic control (laughs) (laughs) um but you know it's not the thing in and of itself it's not the complete picture cool data geek out on it but don't live by it don't obsess don't obsess
1: right on on. see on the next one